Howdy y'all! Welcome to the Super Sexy Podcast, where every other week we get together to speculate as to the sex lives of superheroes. It's locker room talk for nerds, geeks, fanboys, and any and all aficionados of pop culture. I'm your host, the incredible Matthew J. Therio. With me as always, you wouldn't like him when he's angry, Mr. Andy Taylor. We are the Super Sexy Podcasters. How's it going, Andy? I'm good. How you doing? I am doing excellent, and I want to wish you a very happy Batman Day. Oh, yeah. Now, it's, it's going to be belated for uh, our listeners, obviously, uh, but we are recording this on September the 21st, internationally known as Batman Day. How are you celebrating? Probably drinking. I don't know. <laughs> likewise, likewise. Actually, I am not drinking right now, which is unusual. Usually, as we record, I always have a whiskey next to me, but... Uh, I'm keeping it to just water right now because I know I am going to have a few gallons of martinis in me later on tonight. I'm going to this huge cocktail party, uh, bought a whole brand new suit for it and everything, so I'm hydrating now in preparation for that. Just like Batman would do. Always be prepared. That's true. He probably only drinks water. Like, I even understand he uh, only drinks apple juice. Orange juice, actually. Yes, that's the Batman special as established in Batman uh, Episode 1 for the Adam West series. And because, like, even when he goes out and even as he's like uh, Bruce Wayne acting as Bruce Wayne and he's like drinking, he's actually not drinking alcohol. He's drinking something like uh, apple juice or orange juice or something. That is correct. At least in uh, the Nolan verse, uh, he's only pretending to drink. He doesn't actually drink. Now. If you talk about the DCEU, Bat, uh, Ben Affleck's Batman, Batflick, he is basically like emptying the Wayne wine cellar from like generations and generations. And Alfred's afraid that there's not going to be any left for future Waynes, not that there's going to be any. Because he wears body armor all the time, and also in the form of condoms. Another way Batman and I are alike. It's true. Like, I don't... I- I mean, the only time he ever had kids was when he was tricked. That is true. Very true with uh, Damian Wayne. Yeah. And so, okay, so the the next thing in the news is uh, they're going to make an animated movie for Superman Red Sun. Okay, yeah, we are on the super sexy news, and that is uh, that is topic number one. Superman Red Sun getting its own animated movie. You excited about this? I'm really excited, and I'm excited about the guy who's, like, voicing him. It's going to be Jason Isaacs. He has a very commanding sort of like uh, – he can be a sinister voice almost. I, I have to admit I am not a huge fan of the art style for 99% of the DC animated movies. I really wish that they would do far fewer movies, give them theatrical releases, and do something almost like Spider-Verse, you know, where it's highly stylized, where there's a lot of production value in each and every frame – not this lazy ass, you know, cheap animation where it looks just stiff. Uh, it looks like the worst comic book artist of all time is drawing each and every frame. It's of the it's very bare, stark, like exactly. a, a lot of buildings. It's it's like it it, it really um it it, it it I don't know. It seems like the old days where they wanted to use the same image palette, and it it's it's a way to save money almost. It really is, but there are animated cartoons right now that look. Gorgeous, you know. Look at something like Archer. If you had that, you know, studio doing a full DC movie, you know, with those gorgeous backgrounds, even if the character models are a little stiff, you know, there's still some evidence of production value, and that is just not the case with any of the DC films. Hell, even some of the fans are, are like good enough that they'll they'll they're almost willing to like make up their own and give it to you. Like I the other day, I saw a guy uh, saw a video where a guy actually took. Um, the Arkham series uh, animations and uh, 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 computer uh, animations from that, and was able to transfer it into uh, transform it into an um, Batman the Animated Series, but with the same soundtrack and stuff. So you would see like the opening of the Batman Animated Series Arkham style. Oh, that would have been so awesome because I would say that not only is that like a really high resolution, uh, graphically intense, very modern look to it. 
almost like you know if DC were to do their own Clone Wars uh, cartoon like but it's also I would argue the best graphical design of any version of the DC universe whether we're talking the comics or the live action movies or the animated movies like the Arkham series has better graphic design than any of them hands down like the character designs and just all of it just works so so well and to see like a regular weekly half hour cartoon in that style machinima like oh yeah that would be exactly what i'm asking for yeah it looked beautiful in fact i'll send you the link later yeah please do that so why don't we get into today's topic the incredible hulk and uh Let's speculate for a second about his uh, powers, personality, and performance in the bedroom. What do you think? Uh, what do you think it's like with either Banner and or the Hulk? Um, Bruce Banner would probably be a gentle guy. I think he would be a, a a lover, or at least he would try to be. And Hulk, oh, oh man, you're uh, you'd be lucky if you survive that. So with Banner, the problem is he can't get that excited to the point where he's going to near climax. And he's always not even going to like walk up to the line. He is, you know, walking on wires. Like, So you have to imagine that he is just not pursuing a physical element to any romantic relationship that he's in. Not like anything beyond first base, really. Well, uh, is it the adrenaline that does it? Yeah, in some versions of the Hulk, adrenaline sets him off. I know in the the original uh, in the um the TV show, he was like any type of pain. Like he, if he could burn himself or cut himself, he would turn into the Hulk. You know, so it was like that's what he did. It wasn't like I don't know if it was a paper cut or something, but it was it was something where um it, it would it actually was like it would raise like adrenaline in his body and immediately that and so everything he did, he tried to stay calm. Even if, like, say, making love, it would be like that guy who'd probably just lay there and, like, not, can't, not do anything for fear that if he, if he like, gets excited, rah, you know? Yep. Now, in the comics, there are a lot of different things that can set him off. Adrenaline being one of them. But any time that there's, you know, anger, you know, it, it doesn't have to be adrenaline-fueled anger. Just any time he's angry. And any time that he is in physical danger... The Hulk will just take over, and it could be a fraction of a fraction of a second. Like they have tried to do so much. He has obviously tried to kill himself before. He's like mm-hmm. shot himself in the head. Yeah. And in that fraction of a second that the bullet started to hit the skin of his skull, he just completely hulked out. When he's dropped from a plane or a helicopter many a times, like just the knowledge of his imminent danger and hitting the ground. He turns into the Hulk. In fact, they put him next to a nuclear bomb, like ground zero, like out in the middle of the ocean, and they detonated it. And that nanosecond, you know, between being at the center of the blast, he hulked out, survived that. There is really almost nothing that, you know, he can't anticipate and transform into the Hulk. But you're absolutely right. Like, the Hulk... He's not even like Superman where he has the super strength, but he also has some measure of control. You know, Superman can pull out. Hulk just would not pull out. Oh, yeah. That's his thing. Yeah, he'd finish. Oh, absolutely. The the Hulk in at least the Ultimate Universe is a bit of a horn dog. Like, yeah. He's not just angry and, you know, getting bigger as he gets angrier. He is just hyper-masculinity in the flesh, and he gets hornier as he gets hulkier also really yeah yeah it's led to some pretty uh funny moments in the comics honestly we'll get to that in a second all right but, but uh, do you have anything else uh, you wanted to speculate as to well all right so we know that uh he transforms um eventually into a uh, smart hulk uh, you have that is right. So yep. by then, as, as well as other Hulk, yeah, like he has been Mister Fixit and all them. Yeah. So I think with the different personalities of Hulk, you're probably going to get a different lover uh, uh, out of Hulk also. So you oh, may. Wow. So with the big muscular guy, 
he may have the control of, let's say, uh, Bruce Banner and be and be calm enough to, you know, like, you know, not kill her. But at the same time, you know, oh, she's going to be hurting, you know. Oh, absolutely. That Hulk is only going to be going after like porn stars, like at the end of their career where they have been stretched out sufficiently to, you know, take a member of Hulk size, which you have to imagine is bigger than the biggest, floppiest, uh, I don't want to use any uh, vulgar language on here, biggest, floppiest, uh, adult, what's a nice word for dildo? (laughs) I don't even know, man. It's, it's dildo. I mean, it's been around, the word I think has been around since forever. What do they, what do the, what do the Romans call it? I, I have no idea. But, yeah, basically, you know, the biggest one of those that makes, you know, every single man feel inadequate, Hulk is making that dildo feel inadequate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, even soft, he probably is, like, he dra- it drags on the ground. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, and, and as he gets, like, even more in the mood, you know, as he... Because the Hulk isn't just, like, one size. The Hulk actually continuously gets bigger as he gets angry. Yes, that's true. Yep. And the bigger he gets, the, the, the angrier he gets, the bigger he gets, the stronger he gets, and it just feeds into itself. Yeah, to the point where he can, like, punch the earth in half. Yeah. With a single, yeah, well, it's crazy. What was that one where he even held up a mountain on his back, or, like, something that was, like, quadrillion tons or something like that and he had the, they had uh i think um reed richards had to figure out which universe they had to go to and he was like how the hell do we get out of here and the hulk is just like holding that whole mountain or something like that i know that he is completely like decimated a mountain just by clapping just the sound waves that his clap produced atomized every part of the mountain that he was next oh my god that probably was boom yeah, so the Hulk is pretty damn strong. Whether he is the absolute strongest, that's debatable. But I mean, we, we've seen stronger feats out of the, uh, not the century, uh, out of Hyperion before in the Marvel Universe, where he actually managed to hold two different universes uh, apart, you know, as they were crashing into each other. What? That, that's Yeah, that's pretty fucking strong. Yeah, that is. <laughs> that's actually pretty, like, damn impressive. Yeah, so I, I think that's one of the greatest feats of strength I've seen in comics. Uh, maybe one of the only more powerful feats of strength, like Franklin Richards has been pretty up there, where he basically just takes the entire energy of a entire universe and like blasts it out of Celestial or whatnot. Oh, wow. I, I, I imagine seeing like a, like some Celestial being like, like preventing the Earth or preventing the universe from stretching, from expanding. They try to hold back the expansion of the universe. Yeah, I, I don't know that that's ever happened in any of the issues, but potentially. Yeah, so that, that sounds cool. All right, so let's get into his love interest across all media, and we got to start, of course, we got to start, of course, with Betty Ross. Now, she is the daughter of General Thunderbolt Ross, who often leads like the military expeditions to capture or kill the Hulk. And now. This has obviously led to complications in the relationship between all three, a la Superman, Lois Lane, and her father, General Sam Lane. Uh, Obviously, Sam Lane doesn't come into the comics as much, but when he does, he's more often than not antagonistic towards Superman. Now, in the 616 universe, Betty Ross, she later becomes Red She-Hulk, and her father is Red Hulk, which... Something about the Red Hulk makes no sense whatsoever. When General Thunderbolt Ross hulks out and he becomes Red Hulk, his thick, iconic, Ron Swanson-like mustache completely disappears and he looks clean-shaven. Now, very famous like Hulk rider Jeff Loeb, the one who introduced Red Hulk and whatnot, he once explained that the mustache, it goes off on its own adventures like it's just in the gutter space. So you know what that is, right? That is the white spaces between the panels. So like gutter space is a term in comics which just says anything that happens off panel, essentially. Really? Yeah, so off panel, the parts that you don't see, Thunderbolt, his mustache is having adventures of its own. And that is canon. That's oh 
Now, in the Ultimate comics, Betty Ross was the public relations director for the Ultimates, who are their version of, like, the Avengers. Uh, so, before they ever had, like, any kind of battle or whatnot, they were already talking about, like, making the Avengers into a film franchise. And, of course, they were going to cast Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. Uh, and they were casting a whole bunch of other, like, people, like, in the comic. And... People that later actually went on to, like, play Marvel characters, some of them. And some of them, the same characters that, like, were in this 2001 comic issue. She was trying to get, unfortunately, not Robert Downey Jr., but uh, Freddie Prince Jr. Uh, to play Tony Stark. Now, Bruce, he didn't like this too much. He interpreted uh, her taking Freddie out to dinner to talk about casting as a date, and he got angry. And Freddy did not like it when he got angry, nor did the over 800 Manhattanites whom he killed during his rampage prior to being taken down by the Ultimates in their first ever battle. Now, at one point, like, you hear him say, like, as he's climbing up a skyscraper, like, almost getting to, the, like, the rooftop restaurant, batter too much of a woman for you, Betty? Maybe it's time you gave Hulk a try. And... This and a whole bunch else in the issue and the series as a whole and, like, the whole Ultimate Universe is just very indicative of what the Ultimate Hulk was like, you know, less defined by anger than the hyper-masculinity associated with, like, steroids, particularly, like, horniness, as you see time and again throughout Mark Miller's run on the Ultimates. Like, he is so afraid of being called, like, a sissy or a pansy or being thought of as sexually inadequate like he himself thinks of banner that that is true i remember actually like uh seeing that in like cartoons and stuff that you could always get on his nerves if you just made fun of him yeah especially big it's banner's own insecurities that are hulk's insecurities even though they're like two separate people hulk is aware that banner is like sexually inadequate and even though obviously hulk is the epitome of hypermasculinity, he still has that insecurity because he's so entangled with Banner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, now when I say they're two different people, like they, they really are. Like the Ultimate Hulk is a chimera with Banner. It, like it is cells that have two entirely separate uh, strands of DNA, like two separate nuclei. I believe they establish even. And in a moment's notice, the cell will go from expressing Banner's DNA to Hulk's DNA. And so that's why, like, Banner doesn't even remember what the Hulk does and whatnot. Because they are two separate people sharing a body. It's a really, really interesting uh, exploration of personhood. Yeah, because I always, I always wondered how they would uh, address that when... Obviously, gamma rays. Once they go through you, they they literally they destroy your your DNA. So to make it like a, a separate set or a copy, almost, you know, like it's well, the, the Hulk is not just a copy of Banner. Like the Hulk, somehow it created a separate set based off Banner. So that's why they have some semblance to each other, but also very very highly mutated. Yeah, so it'd be like a mutated copy that sort of got reabsorbed back into the original and expresses itself once in a while whenever, it's, I guess, Bruce gets angry. Yeah, there are epigenetic uh, triggers, you would call it. So, okay, let's move on from uh, Betty Ross. Let's talk about uh, Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. She-Hulk. You want to take it away? Yeah, so Jennifer Walters, who, I don't know, I've always had a thing for her. She's like... She seemed hot. She just like it, 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 I don't know. It, it, it's one of those few characters that's like when she changed, it's like she even maintained everything, but made it made it even hotter, you know. And uh, so Jennifer and Bruce are known to be uh, childhood friends. In fact, they're cousins. When they got older, she obviously left to become a lawyer, and he left to become a scientist. And but uh, one day, uh, Bruce goes back to visit um, Jennifer, and she's shot by a bunch of thugs who work for Nicholas Trask. Eventually, he he's going to become her first major enemy. Now, do you know if he is uh, related to Boulevard Trask at all? I was thinking that earlier today. You know, right before we got on, I was like, is the because tra- there's obviously they they do that. They they make names that are 
you know, people are related to one person with the same last name. So I right. and I think he actually came up in an X-Men comic recently. It was either Powers of 10 or House of X where Moira was in one of her past lives assassinating every one of the Trasks trying to prevent the Sentinels. So I think Nicholas was actually shown in that recent issue. Different universe, um, a Bolivard in a different universe, like the the way the Avengers are like the X-Men in a different universe. How, how are the Avengers X-Men in a different universe? Well, uh, all right, so the Avengers and, uh, like, you know the MCU? They don't. Uh, the right. Avengers don't. I don't know about the X Men or like say Fantastic Four existing in the same universe right then as. Uh, well, they they do, and they're going to be introduced. And in fact, there are rumors going around that they want to have a uh, Hulk versus Wolverine movie in the MCU, possibly even in the Phase Four. So, are they coming from a different um, universe, like a different dimension? No. How they establish that mutants are around, whether they're going to say mutants just started showing up or they've always been here and we just haven't mentioned it uh that remains to be seen i suspect strongly it's the latter uh yeah well if that's the case then absolutely bolivar trask and nicholas trask are probably related in some way you know and that's something we should look up just for the hell of it and, and bring it up next time you know i'll probably absolutely. get that down yep and, and that that would be an awesome film by the way uh Wolverine versus the Hulk, classic rivalry, and Wolverine, you have to remember, uh, had his introduction in the Incredible Hulk comic book. Like, he started off as a Hulk villain. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. Yeah, Hulk and Wendigo were going at it up in uh, Canada, and so the Canadian government, they uh, sent uh, Wolverine, I believe uh, he was part of Project H at the time, uh, which was like the Canadian uh, superhero service like a uh what a predecessor to alpha flight oh okay i think okay. yeah so uh yeah like in that first issue they established he's a mutant he's canadian uh he's called weapon x like the adamantium skeleton the super fast healing uh all of it yeah like was 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 weapon x a a joint uh country effort because a lot of times i've seen like u.s army involved in the Weapon X. Right, right. no. So the Canadian government was not involved in Weapon X, also known as Weapon 10. It started off in the 1940s, the Weapon Plus program. The very first super soldier it established was Captain America. And then they had uh, eight others, and then the tenth one, they switched to Roman numerals, and they called him Weapon X. Or Well, they called him Weapon 10, but Wolverine mispronounced it, and he thought it was Weapon X the whole, for years and years and years. Then they went on to Weapon 12, or 11, 12, and then 13, you have Phantom X, uh, one of the best mutants, like one of my favorite, like this uh, super, super French uh, art thief and whatnot. Uh, he is so cool, based on like the character of Phantomas. Phantomas? Phantomas, I want to say. I can't really pronounce it, but uh, unfortunately, he uh, he didn't quite die in the comics recently, but his consciousness was separated from his body so that Xavier can take over his body since Xavier was dead, and that's how they brought Xavier back, but at the expense of Phantom X. Okay. Yeah, because Phantom X had this awesome like external nervous system uh, that could turn into a UFO that he would fly around in. Uh-huh. Yes, that was part of his uh, powers and abilities. Uh, he could also like create uh, suggestions, so that he, he couldn't quite exactly like uh, telepathically control people's minds or even create illusions. But his suggested power was like so strong he could make his enemies believe things that weren't there. Oh, okay. So, but he he was like probably a, a Mysterio, but actually with powers. Uh, yeah, exactly, absolutely. But way cooler than Mysterio. I, I really hope that he is a major player in the MCU once they finally actually get like the X-Men. I've been reading up more about him, and I've, I've come to find out that he's very egocentric, like a um, like egotistical. Like who? Mysterio. Mysterio. Like with, like uh, here's the thing. When when um, I, oh, apparently when they had Avengers Endgame or Infinity War with um, uh, Tony Stark is talking about the uh, the program, the virtual reality thing, and he's calling it Barf. Uh, That's that Civil War. That's Civil War. The audience is just listening to him. But apparently, and I, I think I read this on Reddit, uh, that 
um, the when they they show up later on in uh, um, Far From Home, uh, Mysterio uh, remembers it differently and remembers the audience laughing when he says that, when Tony says that. And so, Interesting. And so, I never picked that up. So uh, Mysterio has this thing of like, you know, it's how he's portrayed. He's he wants to be portrayed. He's very narcissistic. You know, he he's um he wants to be always thought of as the good part, or he wants to be he wants admiration. You know, he wants people to look at him and go like, oh wow, it's Mysterio. You know, they they don't like he doesn't like the fact that you know somebody doesn't think his work is that that important or that great. I mean, I absolutely get that. Why do you think I always wear the cowboy hat out? You know, it's turned me into a uh, minor local celebrity. Like, my reputation precedes me. And many a time I've, you know, heard people like, oh, there's the cowboy. You know, I, I was even asked by the birthday boy at the party today, like, hey, can uh, mild-mannered Matthew make an appearance instead of the cowboy? And I'll, I'll say this. Matthew, I, I have not gone out in public in many many years other than like working back that's about it the gym but unless i'm at work or the gym i am the cowboy and, and i like the hulk because i kind of feel like me and the hulk have a similar relationship you know as me and the cowboy or like bruce and the hulk have a similar so i, I like have a three-stage transformation there's mild-mannered matthew just me doing my own thing no hat then i get ready to go out i take my cowboy hat put it on my head, and I shout, Shazam! Or sometimes I'm like, Persona! Or every, every once in a while, I'll shout, It's morphin' time! It's always one of those three. And that's when I'm like, stage two, I'm the cowboy. But then, and that's like me transforming into like Shazam, Billy Batson, like I'm still aware of who I am and all that. But then I start drinking. And then I start drinking a little more. And after a gallon or so, it's like Bruce Banner and the Hulk. I don't remember the next day. Uh, it's a different guy, and it is a guy that is just pure ego. Just knows he can do anything, and he tries to do everything. And he's gotten me in trouble once or twice because he just does not have any self-doubt in the world. And I constantly hear reports from friends and whatnot like, man, I got to tell you what the cowboy did last night. And I'm like, uh at least he didn't put me in jail ever. <laughs> At least I don't have the army chasing after me. That's all I can say. <laughs> yep. But the cowboy, he's lost my cell phone. He's lost my car keys. He is, uh, he's got me into some trouble. But uh, we, we, we're still on Jennifer Walters. Yes. Let's uh, get back to her. Okay. So she, one day she's shot by a bunch of thugs sent by Nicholas Trask, um, who will be her first major enemy. And um, to save her life, Bruce performs a blood transfusion on her, and she ends up turning into the She-Hulk. But this time, she has her normal intel intelligence and uh, demeanor. Like she's she can actually like converse with you, but she can also get mad and throw you through a wall. You know. Yep. Yep. And uh, uh, I think probably the most famous one that we've seen her in is the Old Man Logan timeline timeline, where uh, she uh, she is kidnapped by um, uh, the Incredible Hulk and basically made to bear his children because who else could honestly exactly you know superwoman or supergirl probably doesn't exist in this well, definitely doesn't exist so and wonder woman doesn't exist i wonder if woman could take him there is power princess i believe is her name uh -huh. from squadron supreme she she is basically the analog of uh superwoman or whatnot so like a, she's like kind of supergirl kind of wonder woman put together if i'm getting that right in this one old man logan uh by the time you see the characters i believe they're the grandchildren so they're the they're basically the children's off uh, uh the children of them uh, their offspring because they all got on, in on each other and stuff right yeah like the the green neck inbreds as they're called <laughs> the whole gang yeah and uh I, I've, I've read the comics and well they are mean they are it's just like they just naturally just nonchalantly like kill somebody like nothing. It's just like, hey, so, you know, this, that. It's just evil. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Fantastic comic, though, Old Man Logan. Oh, yeah. I, I hope one day they can make that into a movie. It'd be nice if they do it like in a good art style. Like uh, if they do it 
an animated movie, which is what I would see that as being. I, I wouldn't see old, old Man Logan being adapted live action again because you already kind of had that in the movie Logan where he is an old man and obviously they couldn't use the Hulk, but uh, I, I can't imagine they would improve upon that in any way, you know? Yeah. Because that was obviously the best of like the Fox films by a mile. We'll get into that when we uh, talk about Wolverine and all his love interests one day. Oh yeah. And uh, so everybody, uh, well, everybody knows that uh, She-Hulk is coming out soon on Disney plus. Well, very excited for that. Is that going to be live action? Yes. Sweet. Um, in fact, they and the good thing they didn't. Luckily, it was never made. But back in the late '80s, they tried to make a live action She-Hulk, and they wanted to have Bridget Nielsen star. And uh, wow, I am glad they did not make that. Yeah. No. Honestly, like any kind of live action superhero adaptation, uh, other than Batman and Superman, which obviously you know were fantastic. Any Marvel adaptation from those times. I really don't think they were capable of doing a good job. Like, and, and that is me admitting that I've never seen the Lou Ferrigno uh, Incredible Hulk TV series. So maybe those were pretty decent. What? Uh, I couldn't. You have, you have, I take it? Oh, yeah. I love that show. That was like, I, I always watched it. They when it, they play used to play reruns all the time. Worth going back, giving it a rewatch? Yeah, you see it for the first time. It's like almost like watching – for me, it would be like watching old Star Trek episodes, like the original series. It's like it just brings you back sometimes and you just you – know, you kind of appreciate where they've gone, you know, what they what they were trying to do back then and the stories. In fact, uh, the only thing I think they left out was Betty Ross. They never uh, casted her in that, in that I, show. I noticed that as I was doing the research for this episode, and I was so surprised yeah. that she wasn't in there. Was there a Thunderbolt Ross in there? Uh, I I don't remember. I think there was a. There's definitely the military were trying to come after him a lot of times. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I know like he was always traveling town to town. Yeah, and um, it, they the, the even the series ended like he, he wasn't fully invincible. Like they could he could fall out of a, a a a plane and stuff and still hit the ground and die. I think that's how they ended the show. Strange. Mm-hmm. But they did do like two uh, TV movie uh, sequels to it, right? Hulk versus Thor. Yeah. And the Trial of the Hulk. Oh my God! Yes, they did. Oh. And wasn't the Daredevil part of Trial of the Hulk, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, I don't remember. Oh, it's been a while since I've. I think. I've, yeah, it's probably been a while since I've seen that. Probably like 20 plus years. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. Yeah, no, I, I mean... getting old. Yeah, I, I mean, I, when I think about, like, you know, the animated series, I was nine years old when it came out. So, eight, eight nine years old. So, that was probably, like, 20, 30 years... No, 28 years ago. Wow. Yeah. All right, moving on. Let's talk very, very briefly about uh, Hulk's harem. Now, when the uh, ultimate Hulk, he was hiding out in Tibet... Because uh, another time when you know Wolverine fought the Hulk was uh, Ultimate Wolverine versus Hulk, in which this takes place. Uh, Wolverine has to go to Tibet to assassinate Hulk, and he finds him surrounded by dozens of scantily clad native women uh, who are basically like lying on top of him, a la Slave Leia lying on top of Jabba. And obviously it was like much more ripped than Jabba ever was. Uh, but, you know, these girls in, like, nothing but, like, bikinis, if that, were, like, just all over them. And, you know, they, they were almost like ants compared to, like, the size of them. Because like, after they tried to nuke him, he just turned into the Hulk for, like, over a year. Like, he was just kind of, like, permanently the Hulk. He wasn't turned back in the banner at all. Yeah, he was, per he was like, irradiated, like you wouldn't believe. So there was probably – he was going to be like that for a while until the radiation went away. Or he was just, like, so angry, like, that that had happened. Sort of like uh, when he became Hulk for two years uh, on Sakaar in the MCU, when he was, like, Gladiator Hulk. Oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah, sometimes, like, he just can't turn back. But but here's the thing. Even in different universes, I've noticed the Hulk is portrayed differently. So it could be that in, in this universe, you know, he can evolve and change over time. In some universes, he probably doesn't. Like the, I think even because like you have Earth one nine 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 nine, and then you have Earth six one six, and I think Earth 
Which is one nine 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 nine. Um, it's it's the MCU. They actually have a name for it. It's like one hundred and ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine. Interesting. That I thought that was just like a whole separate thing altogether with its own multiverse and whatnot. Because obviously the MCU wasn't destroyed during Secret Wars. Yeah. Yeah, and and so like I, I what I suspect is that you know the multiverse is going to introduce everything and it's going to go to essentially the different universes because the multi uh the multiverse contains all of the universes of all the different like realities that they can go into even ones that are like you know uh, a 1950s canned laugh track show you know where reality exists like that well we'll see i know dc keeps their comic multiverse and their film or television multiverse and like the arrowverse very very separate exactly So we'll see if Marvel does the same thing or if there's crossover between the comics and the films, but I highly doubt it. Well, didn't they already say that uh, – I think they even mentioned that the, the uh, in the MCU where the Defenders the weren't even mentioned or something like the events of I, – I guess the Avengers weren't even mentioned in the MCU or something like that, one of the movies. It's in the background, like in newspapers and whatnot, they talk about like the Battle of New York and like the Defenders series yeah. and whatnot. The, yeah, the, on the Defenders series, but the MCU doesn't acknowledge – doesn't have anything that acknowledges that's existence, even though the guy, guys who run the – the TV show are trying to sort of saying like, oh, well, yeah, we still exist in there because we're getting stuff from them. But the MCU never acknowledges their existence or pulls characters from them. Well, not yet, but there are rumors that Daredevil is going to – and we're talking about the uh, Charlie Cox Daredevil yes. himself – is going to make an appearance in a future MCU film. I hope so. I would love. I, I think the Daredevil series is the pinnacle of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Honestly, I think it's better than, except for maybe Infinity War and Endgame, better than everything that Marvel's done. Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I, I just clicked on it uh, one day on Netflix and just w- started watching it. I was like, what is this? You know, what's this going to be about? And then next thing you know, he's like f- really fighting like through a hallway. And I'm like, holy shit, this is really good. You know, although that is one area of the MCU I absolutely have to catch up on. I don't think I've seen uh Punisher season two or Jessica Jones season three yet. Like, I have just been so busy lately. Like, my social calendar is just every single day. I think I had a quiet night in for the very first time in 2019, uh, two or three nights ago. I, I finally caught up on a television series that I is maybe my favorite series of the last 10 years. And I, I hadn't even seen season two just because I've n- had no time whatsoever. I do plan on getting to those other parts of like the Netflix uh, corner of the cinematic universe, but I just haven't even caught up myself yet. Yeah, I, I, honestly, they've come out with so many things. I'm I'm getting to the point where I'm like, even the, with the Disney Plus, am I going to have time for all this? Oh yeah, and I I have no idea if Runaways is part of the MCU or not. There's like no reference to the rest of it, but that's a good show. I saw season one, and I've just not had time for season two yet. Yeah, it's like they they put so much stuff out there. It's it's like you want to be a fan, but almost as you have to like be a fan from a distance sometimes. And it's just like yeah, I support it, but man, I wish I had the time. I I would have the time if I didn't have a hang up about watching the shows on my phone or my iPad. I insist that I have to watch them on my 4K TV. Like, I don't want anything less than the best possible viewing experience. And that's why when I get home, I'm like, okay, I probably have a date tonight or I'm going to the bar with some friends. And if I don't have, you know, something on my social calendar and if I'm not doing work for Wisecrack or whatnot, I'd usually rather play a video game than veg out and watch uh, television. That's... That's why I'm a little behind on all that. Let us get into our recurrent segment, starting with Man Want to Be Him. Now, Andy, if you could look like any live-action version of Bruce Banner, who would you look like? And let me give you your options. So you got Bill Bixby as Bruce Banner from the Incredible Hulk TV series. And as a compliment to him, there's Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk in the Incredible Hulk TV series. Uh, then you got Eric Bana in uh, the 2003 Hulk film. Edward Norton in the Incredible Hulk film, which was, what, 2008? 
And then Mark Ruffalo, who's been Hulk in the whole rest of the MCU, because they got rid of Ed Norton. Probably the most famous uh, recasting that the MCU ever had. Yeah, but the, the, uh, one of the better ones, you know, along with uh, Don Cheadle, you know. Oh, I completely disagree. I like – who was the guy that uh, played War Machine first? Who, whomever he was, I, I liked him way better than Don Cheadle. Don't worry about it. You don't have to look it up. All right. But, uh, yeah. So what what are your thoughts on these individuals? Who who would you look like if you had to look like one of them? Okay. So, well, Eric Bana. Eric Bana? Okay. Why? I just think he looks, as a guy, I he, I think he looks more attractive than all the other guys. I, <laughs> all right. I, I, I would have to just say straight off, like, I would rather look like him. You know? Obviously not Edward Norton, you know? He's definitely like the most classically handsome of the bunch. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Terrence Howard. Mark, who's Terrence Howard? Uh, War Machine. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say, like, was there another live action Hulk? But, okay, no, good. All right. Yeah, no, that, that was an easy one. Like, uh, obviously, like Mark Ruffalo, Edward Norton, not bad looking dudes. Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrigno. Ferrigno, obviously very strong, but not the most handsome guy on the face. Uh, but yeah, no, Eric, Eric Bana, just kind of a pretty boy. Uh, I think you're going to catch more girls looking like that than uh, big biceps. He wasn't even like well-defined, was he? He was just a big guy, right? What, uh, Lou Ferrigno? Yeah. I guess he had some definition. Yeah, well, he was a bodybuilder. He's famous for being a bodybuilder. You know, yeah. I, th- I think he even made it to like Mr. Olympia or something like that. Honestly... If I had the choice to be, like, really big uh-huh. or really ripped, like, you know, Bruce Lee ripped or Lou Ferrigno big, I, I would choose Bruce Lee ripped every time. Yeah. Yeah, me too. He, he had a way about him. Like, even his own muscles would just sort of expand. It was weird. They would inflate. Oh, I wish. It was – when I watched Bruce Lee, like, uh, flex and, like, you know, just make himself look bigger on screen – it was like it was just weird watching his muscles flare out and get bigger. It was bizarre to look at. But like, if you look at his six pack, it almost looks like someone drew the lines in. Like that is how well defined each ab is from the other. He is like at point one percent body fat, Bruce Lee. Uh, did you have you heard about his uh his exercise? No. Yeah, it was like what did he do? it was like six miles every morning. I did 10 miles right before we started running or recording. Yeah, but it was like he did it like all the time. Like, and it, then it, it, it was like. I did eight miles yesterday. Yeah. No, the, this was like in the morning. And then it was like, then he had running in the afternoon, then running in the evening. Like. Oh, God damn. Like, if you actually look at his routine, it's it's almost insane what he did. He used to do hundreds of push ups in the morning. Like, if he. It's just. You, you know who he reminds me of, right? Who? Saitama. A six-mile run, 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, 100 – what does he do? Uh, leg lifts or something like that? Flutter kicks? Uh, uh, squats, I think it was. Yeah, squats. Uh, and that's like just his whole training regimen, and that's how he becomes one-punch man where he can defeat a- any like alien invader or whatnot, which is like a single punch. And Bruce Lee, he was famous for his one-inch punch. So – Sounds like that workout workout regiment really will get you, uh, you know, pretty strong like that. And don't start off right at, like at at the at the fullest. Work your way up because that it, it took my sister like who's a runner now. It took her forever to get to like doing marathons, and now she's doing them like in her sleep. Like she, like yeah, I, she's completing marathons left and right now. And the, the most I ever did at the best shape of my life was 14 miles in a single single run. Yeah, and. I'm I'm not there yet. Like ten miles, that was kind of like my limit today. I I don't think I could have gone much further than that anymore. Uh, and I know I can do maybe sixty, sixty-five push-ups right now at a, at a single, you know, clip. I used to I used to be able to do ninety-six push-ups. That was my record. Uh, I I beat a grifter in a push-up contest one time, and you know that's that's how I got him to like. Not where I didn't have to owe him money because we had a, a money bet on it because he was a grifter. Right? And I, I think I could work up to, to that. Not easily, but I, I think I could get back to where I used to. I'll, I'll probably never get there again. I mean, I, but I never I'm not going to try. Like back when I was in the Marines, it was I was like pretty built. Now 
I've I've come down a lot. I don't I haven't even ran since I've been out. You know. Oh damn. Yeah, yeah. I've uh I I could probably get back out and probably do something, but it by now it's like it's not like you got fat. You know. Oh yeah, like, no, I'm not fat at all. No. Yeah, you're skinnier than I am. Yeah. That's because you eat like a thousand calories less than I do too. Yeah, I probably eat like once or twice a day. Yeah, I I am an absolute glutton, and so I need to run a thousand calories off every day i've had so many of those toasted cheddar chalupas lately oh i don't i don't like fast food but taco bell just introduced their best menu item of all time and i think i've had nine this week they they do put out some stuff where it's just like you 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 get into a habit and you're like i want to keep ordering that then you realize wow in one week i've ordered this much exactly yeah it sucks that there's a taco bell right near my day job because i'm constantly like going there on my lunch break yeah i know guys that uh uh guys that ended up joining the uh, military later on but they said before they joined one guy worked at like i think in between a little caesar's and a chinese restaurant like Mm -hmm. he he worked at a a video uh store um this is back in like the 90s all right yeah uh oh and the other fast food place by me is the only other good fast food joint in the world and that would have to be popeyes so i am just constantly tempted yeah all right, moving on. The casting couch. Who is the most attractive actress ever to portray Betty Ross in live action? And honestly, before we did the research for this episode, I thought there was going to be a bit more of a list than this. Yeah. I figured, like, there was one that did uh, the TV show. Maybe they got a recast for the live action movies. No. There are only two all together. Yeah. And... and after they recast Edward Norton, they never uh, recast Liv Tyler. Like, Betty just is not in the universe at all. Like, his love interest uh, became Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. I mean, I guess she could have been on this list, but let's just keep it to Betty Ross. We'll talk about Scarlett Johansson when we uh, do a special episode for the Black Widow movie. Yes, absolutely. Now, I personally think that this is a very, very easy uh one to decide between but let's hear your thoughts okay well i'm gonna give you my answer it's jennifer connelly hands down absolutely 10 times out of 10 Liv tyler pretty girl but the proportions of her face like yeah yeah and she's got those big lips and whatnot and not the yeah she's got her dad lips but she's too like her cheeks are just too I'm gonna say gaunt. I mean, they they're gaunt, but they're but they've got the rosiness with them. I don't know. It's just too. She should not have been cast as. Uh, oh my God! I'm a Tolkien expert, and I'm blanking on the name. Uh, Arwen. She should not have been cast as Arwen mm-hmm. in the Lord of the Rings because Arwen is supposed to be one of the two most beautiful women in the ten thousand year old history of Middle Earth, and she is not. Yeah. Just plain not. Uh, but Jennifer Conley, like, she is, she started beautiful, like, when she was cast as a child actress, it was uh, obvious that she was going to be a beautiful adult, like, you, you just see the seed of that in there, and then she did become a beautiful adult actress, and she has just aged so gracefully, like, and she was just at the peak of her pulchritudinous during the 2003 Hulk. So yeah, I, I think it's just such an obvious choice. Honestly, I think they could if they if they did want to make another Betty Ross, they could bring her back. Ah uh, no, it, dude, it's been almost twenty years. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you got to just recast. Yeah, we, at this we, point. Well, here's the thing, you know, I mean, if you look at Bruce Banner, Bruce Banner is probably in his forties, like in the in the MCU. Oh yeah, absolutely. So Betty Ross is gonna have to be. She's not gonna have. She's not. Well, if you're gonna recast her. Recast her as a young person and have her not be a love interest of Bruce Banner because it would just – well, I honestly think it would be weird at this point because society – How would it be weird? Like if – as long as she's like – if he's like 40, like 20 would be an appropriate age for him to be dating. Yeah, I mean if he were rich, you know, it would make sense. But the guy's just a scientist. He's a very famous scientist. He's a very like... fam- famous scientist, but it just looks creepy, you know? I mean – No, I don't know. Oh, uh, I – I have a friend that's uh, 22. She was telling me, like, yeah, the last guy I hooked up with was uh, 43. So, and as you know, I'm 33. She's like, cowboy, 10 years from now, you'll still be hooking up with 22 year old girls. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's probably true. 
So that that is absolutely my intention. Like that's on the bucket list. To and I can't do this for a few more years, but one day I would like to date a woman half my age. Well, our, the thing is, is Be- Betty should have to if if because now that Scarlet's gone, you know. Um, Betty's gonna have to be introduced as probably a love interest in the new one, and she's gonna have. I think the MCU is gonna do something appropriate. You know, they're not going to have a twenty-year age difference in their love lovers and love. I just don't see what's wrong with that. Well, I, what, I, what is I, the I, youngest? What's the biggest age gap between you and a girl that you've been with? Oh no, 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 no! I'm not talking about me and like I'm talking about what the MCU and. No, I'm just curious. Oh, I'm curious. Uh, twenty, probably. Twenty years. Yeah. Younger than you. No, older, older. Sorry, sorry. Oh, oh, I was going to say, like, wait, how old are you again? <laughs> 20 years old? When was this? No, 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 no. No, I, I, I lost my virginity when I was 19, and she was also 19, so it, it's... No, no, no. What has been the biggest age gap between you and a girl that you've, like, made out with or more? So, okay, so, see, she was 21, and I was 27, 26, so about five years, probably. Oh wow, that is a narrow gap, right? Yeah, five, five, six years. It's it, it's not a big difference. I mean, when I was in my twenties, I I don't think I dated anybody younger than twenty, for longer right. than maybe a couple months. Last year, I made out with this nineteen-year-old uh, girl, uh, who had somehow gotten into the club, like, cause I, I think down south they just like as long as you're wearing a band and have your hand marked and you're not drinking, like you're allowed in like the country dance clubs. And she liked the cowboy hat, and she even asked, like, how old that was, and I told her, and it didn't matter whatsoever. I told you, the cowboy, he knows he can do anything. All right, so we've been talking about, like, our ideas for how old Betty Ross should be, and I think that's going to be reflected in the second half of the casting couch, who we would cast ourselves, you know, to play Betty Ross. Now, I think you're doing the same girl that you have uh, picked prior to this for a different uh i just find her very attractive i don't know what is her name naomi scott naomi scott the new pink power range yes and i believe she's also um jasmine and aladdin that is correct yep yeah i just find her very very attractive you know she's like is is this a well you're gonna keep coming back to probably you know she she's like my little khaleesi you know she's like a she's got that that tiny little tight body yeah all right all right so i have been uh watching as i said i I had a quiet night for the first time the other night and so i was watching basically my favorite show of the past 10 years even more than like game of thrones or whatnot and that is cobra kai i I just love the karate kid and cobra kai is like better than all the original films in like every way it is the perfect sequel and they have two girls on there that I think would make really, really good Betty Rosses. The, the first is the girl that plays Moon. Her name is Hannah Keppel. And if you look at a picture of her, she just has those big puffy lips, like not in the gener- or in the Liv Tyler kind of way, but in just like the, the best possible way, like just the ones that you just want to rest your lips on like a pillow. Like, she has some DSLs. <laughs> exactly. And then the other is uh, from season two of Cobra Kai, one of the love interests. Uh, her name is Peyton List, and she is a- another one that is just, you know, the right age, very pretty girl, someone I've been uh, checking out the last uh, few days because I've been watching the show. 21 years old. I don't know how old Hannah Kepler is, but uh, old enough, we'll guess. But Peyton List, definitely old enough at 21. Uh, yeah, she is just very, very attractive, and just someone I've seen in recent uh, days, and so that's why she's on my mind. Maybe, maybe not the absolute best possible Betty Ross, but I don't think she'd do a bad job either. No, in fact, uh, she looks like she could also be cast in other characters in the MCU. Yeah, like this picture that I shared. Uh, she's a blonde in that one, but I think if i recall from the show she like is a brunette in that like so she could do brunette just like uh betty ross nice yep but i'd I'd probably pick um uh hannah over her just because hannah has that look that i don't know i I would probably just pick her over like between naomi scott and hannah uh, 
has a more distinctive look. I, I wouldn't say exotic per se, yeah. just distinctive, especially because of uh, her luscious, luscious lips. Yes. All right, and that brings us to our final segment. So I'm at the bar. And again, this bar that we're talking about is the hotel bar that I have set up at the presidential suite that I had rented out for two separate parties. Now, the very first party I was throwing uh, in honor of my best friend, uh, I had tricked Rutgers into flying him out to uh, do a a speaking engagement that he got paid for. Basically, I I tricked them into... uh, financing one of my parties like uh, just a way to hang out with my best friend from a few states away and so after his uh big speech uh which was on meta ethics if i recall he was talking about sharon streets uh you know question on you know and you might have been here for this one actually uh it was probably about five or six years years ago where um yeah he did that one and it was it was a yeah, you remember this talk where he's talking about like finding Bermuda, the analogy there, like how do we know that we, through you know evolutionary processes, have arrived at the correct moral principles? Assuming you know moral realism that there is really a right and a really wrong thing, evolution isn't selecting for that. Evolution is selecting for what helps us survive, and so how do we know that you know the things yeah, that help us survive? survive uh, uh, developed us in such a way as to let us know what is morally right and morally wrong in the universe Mm -hmm. and then we did some things that we knew were morally questionable (laughs) we we are not hedonists ourselves except for in practice so yeah we had a very hedonistic party uh rented the the hotel rooms uh the presidential suite had a shit ton of people there we invite an entire sorority there had a custom cocktail list. He and I were the bartenders. And <gasps> yes, I remember that now. Yeah. And, and at one point, like, I had one Asian uh, sorority girl on my left arm. I had a blonde-haired, blue-eyed sorority girl on uh, my right arm. And I was just alternatingly, like, making out with each one. And then uh, me and the Asian girl go into... Uh, the bedroom and uh, another friend and another sorority girl, you know, also join on the king size bed. And I, I start like round second with uh, the Asian, and you know, things look like they're proceeding to maybe a uh, bit of an orgy, honestly. And then my roommate, he comes in. I'm not going to say his name, although it is relevant. Uh, my, my roommate at the time, he uh, walks into the presidential suite, like uh, the, the private bedroom, and he's like, I think it's time for these girls to leave. And I'm like, really, Greg? <laughs> really? Bleep? You're going to cock block me? And he had no compunction about doing exactly that. And the girls, like, they didn't want him watching or whatnot. Like, so I left. And that sucked. But, like, a few months later, I was turning 30. And so at my 30th birthday party, I rent out the presidential suite again. I throw an even bigger party. I have even more sorority girls from the sorority come. And every one of them, you know, is drinking the cocktails from the new cocktail list. One of them is uh, called My Cherry Popped. You know, it's a cherry-flavored liqueur drink with, like, maraschinos and whatnot. And they're all coming up to my friend and they're like, Hey, can I have my cherry popped? And one of the sorority girls, like, ties the stem together with her tongue, and he is just having a blast. And the other popular drink of the night was the blank's name, Don't Cock Block Matthew Again. So all these girls that were at the original party, you know, when I was cock blocked, they are like, oh, I'll have a Don't Cock Block Matthew Again. So that, that was... That was an enjoyable time. That was the right way to turn 30. Before that, we went to the top-rated steakhouse in New Jersey. I got a $135, 48-ounce porterhouse uh, served blue, below rare, with a 900-degree brick of Himalayan rock salt so you can cook each individual cut to your exact liking. Uh, we had appetizers, I had three cocktails, I had dessert, have a friend's dessert. I was ready for more steak after that. Like, we just, we spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars uh, on that night. It was phenomenal. Yeah, that's the story of the time I got cock-blocked with the sorority girls. Was was he an exchange student? 
No, no. Well, he was an American? He was an American. I, I've had other roommates that were exchange students. Oh, because I'm like, he didn't understand the custom of like, you know, I've got two girls, don't come into this fucking room. Oh, oh no, he is just very, very Catholic, very, very uh, oh. anti-sexual. Uh, we were uh, driving up from D.C. recently, and in the three-hour car ride, we were having a debate on, because he's Catholic, the morality of contraceptives. Like, he was just coming from the presumption of, of course, extramarital sex, like, is always wrong. Premarital sex, like, that, that is just always immoral. But within marriage, is it moral to use contraceptives? Like, and I was arguing, of course it's not immoral. And he was arguing, of course it is. And we never commit ad hominem attacks. We really avoid logical fallacies. We're very respectful of each other. But that... That tries one's patience, you know, when someone is coming from such an extreme position, like, that, nope, every time you have sex with your wife, it has to be for procreative purposes only, which you can imagine pretty much runs completely against the grain of the Super Sexy Podcast philosophy. Yeah, if he's he's being a literalist. No, that, not even being a literalist. I, you can say, even from within biblical Christianity, that that is not a divine mandate. Yeah, exactly, because... I mean, he – if you actually quote the Bible, like there's areas in there that advocate slavery and beating your wife or beating her if she's not a virgin on your mar- marriage. I, I'm not saying ignore the parts of the Bible that we find uncomfortable. I used to be a very much Bible-believing Christian that still did not find in the Bible a clear mandate for uh, never using contraceptives within sex. But that's neither here nor there. That's – uh, yeah. So that's the latest uh, that we have here. If you want to hear more from the Super Sexy Podcast, you can find us uh, on Twitter at Super Sexy Pod. You can email us, supersexypodcast at gmail.com, or you can find our Facebook page, Super Sexy Podcast.